not as tall as him, so I'm going to stand up here. <laughs> well, good morning, church. It is absolutely an honor for us to come and uh, share this morning's service with you. Um, it was raining when we left Brandon, but you know what? When we got close to Clarny, it stopped raining, so we took that as a sign that we were in the right place and that this is where we should come. I just wanted to take a second and introduce you to everyone who came with us this morning. Uh, so guys, when I say your name, if you can just stand up and turn around and wave. So Lakeisha, she is with us this morning from the Bahamas. She and her husband, Wade, are actually in, her, in uh, Canada helping Wade with the guys' center and Lakeisha with ours. Uh, they're wanting to open a center in the Bahamas, so they've come for a bit of training. And uh, we have just been absolutely blessed having Lakeisha as part of our team uh, since she came. She actually has to head home at the beginning of November, is contemplating whether to come back and uh, serve some more. And you know what her hang-up is? What's coming, folks? What? <laughs> They know. She knows. She's heard rumors. So can you reassure her when we have lunch later that she can survive winter? You know, it can't be possibly that bad. Uh, next is Tessa. Tessa is one of the students in our program, and she's going to be coming and sharing her story in a few minutes. And then I have Natasha, who is also one of our students, who will be sharing a testimony. And then I'm a really blessed mom. Uh, I have two sons and a daughter, and my daughter Anna has come with us today to come and hang out. She loves to, to join us, and uh, I think in lots of ways she's really happy that uh, my husband Chris and I run the Women's Center, because it basically gives her a whole house full of big sisters, so whenever she needs her hair braided or whatever, she knows right where to go. Anyways, we are very, very pleased to be with you this morning. Um, you guys all kind of, I mean, familiar with Teen Challenge, I'm sure, but are you familiar with the Women's Center? You know how long we've been around and all of that kind of thing? Um, we opened in 2012. Uh, originally, the center in Brandon was actually a men's center. And in late 2011, uh, Brother Steve, as well as the board of directors, really felt God impressing on their hearts that it was time for us to start working with women. And so what we did was we moved the five or six guys that were in the center in Brandon um, into Winnipeg. So they then joined that center. And in January 2012, we opened our doors to our first women. Um, actually, at the back table, you'll see a sign that's got Bethany and Pearl as well as Tracy. And those were our first three graduates of our program. And uh, since then, we've had 10 graduates as well as we're going to have number 11 uh, in, at just at the end of this month. So we're really pleased about that. Part of the challenge for me in all of that was uh, my husband Chris at the time was running the men's center in Winnipeg and I was trying to run the women's center uh, in Brandon and I don't know if anybody else realizes that's actually like two hours apart. Anybody else recognize that fact? It's a little bit of a challenge and, uh, and it meant an awful lot of driving for me. I would drive back and forth from Winnipeg to Brandon and if anybody else has ever made that lovely two hour drive, it's not exactly thrilling. You know, you go over an overpass at Portage, that's the most exciting part. And uh, so it really started to become uh, apparent to us that this wasn't working. It was hard on our kids. Uh, I was away an awful lot. And so in the fall of 2013, um, I guess it was actually in the summer when we were away on our summer holidays, uh, Chris and I started praying about, okay, God, what's next? We've always been very open to what God wants for us to do. And, uh, and I have to admit, even moving to Manitoba was, was a step of faith. Uh, I grew up, my husband and I both grew up in southern Ontario and had been with Teen Challenge for about 12 years down there before we moved out west. And uh, I don't actually admit this to many people, but I actually, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I like winter out here better than I did in southern Ontario. Because in southern Ontario, you're surrounded by the Great Lakes, and it really is, people always say, there's that damp cold and the dry cold. And I'll take the dry cold of Manitoba any time over the damp cold of southern Ontario. And so we, you know, we, we've stepped out in faith before, and we started to really feel impressed by God that it was time for us. We wanted to, we've always wanted to minister together. We've been a part of Teen Challenge together, but never actually doing the same thing at the same time. And we really felt God telling us it was time to move to Brandon and, uh, and perhaps run the Women's Center as, as a team. 
So that's what we suggested uh, one one late fall morning uh, to Brother Steve, whose jaw promptly dropped as he got contemplating, what am I going to do with Winnipeg if Chris is in Brandon? But you know, it was it was one of those things that as the ball started rolling, we really started to realize that this was exactly what God was calling us to. Um, we, we started in the fall of 2013 to start to raise money so that we could move an RTM. Do you guys know what an RTM is? It's like a ready-to-move home um, onto the property so that our family and I could live there. And in January of 2014, we got an email from a couple who are our main supporters, uh, one of our main supporters in Winnipeg. And they said, you know, we just built a new home just outside of Birds Hill. And we wondered if you guys would be open to us donating to you our old home that's been in our family for 40 years. Has anyone else ever got an email like that? I had neither. I was really surprised. I was like, oh my goodness, God. It was like from the second we said, okay, God, we're going to step out in faith and trust you here. He just, it was like, he was like, okay, great. I've just been waiting for you to say that. And he just, he opened the floodgates. Uh, so these folks donated us the house. Um, and then I, I'm sure you guys can appreciate it. It doesn't exactly cost, you know, 20 bucks to move a house from Winnipeg to Brandon. It costs more like 20 or 30,000 to do that. Um, and the company, when they realized what was happening, donated the move to us. Um, the company that was going to put the cement pad down for us to put an RTM uh, not decided that's not what they wanted to do. They donated a full basement, so my kids all have rooms in the basement. Um, we have just been blessed beyond measure. And it was just like God was saying, you know, this is exactly what you guys are on the path of what I want you to do. And I actually have a video, the first one, if you want to throw it up there. And this is uh, kind of a quick version of this miracle of the house.
that, hey? That's just an amazing thing. It just brings tears to my eyes. It's, uh, and that's my family and I get to live there. How, lucky, how blessed are we? It's, um, it, it just never fails to, I haven't watched that video in a while. It's just, it's amazing to me. God is so faithful in how he, he just opens up the hearts. I have never, that's another thing I love about Manitoba. I have never met a people who are so generous and so faithful to, to um, helping folks who are trying to do God's work. It's just been a, an amazing journey to be a part of. Well, God is moving at our center. What this means is Chris and I are now there full-time. Um, we have a staff member, Bethany, who's our program director, who was one of our first graduates. We have another staff member, Savannah, who's another staff member, who is one of our graduates. And, and God is just growing our center. And I want to actually call Natasha to come on up. She's going to come and share her story and uh, just talk about what God is doing in her life, if you want to welcome Natasha. Good morning. I'm Natasha, and I am from Winnipeg. I'm 34 or 32 years old. Jeez. I have a little bit of a memory issue since I came to the center. I guess it could be withdrawals. But um, anyway, I um, just wanted to just give you a quick tour of my life before uh, Teen Challenge and then, um, and then conclude it with um, life in Teen Challenge. So... Um, um, since about five years of age, um, I'm from Russia. I was adopted at 15 years of age. Um, my life hasn't been great. I've been abused, I've been neglected, I've been starved, I've been um, physically, mentally, and everything. Anyway, life was just a disaster, but I was such a uh, Jesus freak. I love Jesus with all my heart, and all things and all these little old buckets always talk about Jesus. I want to know this Jesus anyway, so I prayed to him every day, and no matter what happened to me in my life, he kind of like protected me through like 10 years of that life of misery, and it's like, um, you know, falling into a, a motorcycle accident and walking away from it without any um, damages done, so he kind of preserved me, and uh, once I came here, I got adopted, you know, I got a taste of uh, beautiful life, and everything. I got married to the man I deeply love and had a beautiful daughter. I kind of turned my ways like it's almost like I just turned my back on God. And ever since like I uh, life just changed. Um, I fell into depression slowly like severe depression, anxiety, panic attacks, things that I've never thought I would experience and didn't even believe exist but like I couldn't believe that people could experience that got to the point where eventually I turned to alcohol. And alcohol took over so severely that there was nothing that could stop me. If I wanted that drink, I would get it no matter what. Um, that eventually destroyed, uh, is destroying my marriage. I'm on the verge of getting divorced, but I'm waiting to see what God is willing to do for us. Um, almost lost my daughter, but um, God has brought her back to me, so eventually I, uh, my parents have told me that I've lost the spark in my eye, I have been dying for months, and they couldn't watch me die, and they uh, gave me this pamphlet <clears throat> to Teen Challenge, and at first my reaction was like, I'm not going to this prison, um, I have been punished all my life, why should I be suffering, like, why does God want this for me, and, um, 
And then I battled for two months and eventually I said, just, I went outside and I remember just saying to God, you know what, if this is what you really want, then so be it. So I um, came in to King Challenge. Uh, I spoke with you and I months, actually a couple of months, they've been reserving a place for me, and uh, once I came there, I couldn't get out of the car, just, I just couldn't, I didn't know if I could do it, because I'm leaving behind all my addictions, and that was like my life, and, uh, but as soon as I walked into the house, it's like, just, I felt relieved, and my parents were, like, born Christian, and they're mature Christian, uh, they wanted to make sure I was okay. They were very worried and scared for me because it's a huge step and it's um, it's very hard. Like I've been there for it's my third month and it's it's hard work. It's um, very 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 hard, but it's definitely I would not go back and um, I wouldn't change a thing. Once I walked into that house that first day, my parents were like, "Would you like us to hang out and like?" make it okay for you and I was like you know what you guys just go like my heart just became peaceful it's like it was it was amazing and I went and unpacked my things and I didn't regret walking into that house and yeah we have hard days and all but um, it's I love it it has saved my life like actually it has saved my life it has saved it's um I got my daughter, I have, so my daughter has a mother, you know, my parents have their daughter, and I'm alive, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I keep fighting, it's a very, very hard fight, and I'm studying the Bible, and I do all my work, and I crave it every single day, and uh, it's, it's still work in process, I have another 10 months to go, and I'm very thrilled to keep going and seeing the changes and feeling the changes, so that's my story. Um, I just, uh, so I wanted to just let you guys know kind of what, um, you know, what I've been before and what I am now. It's a little bit of a difference, but um, I enjoy every moment, even though it's hard. And uh, so I want to conclude that now. And I just was driving here and wanted to share a little, um, a little scripture with you that I have a lot of favorite ones. And this one was a new one that I opened my Bible and it's a new one just kind of it's um, 1 John 5, uh, verse 13, to verse, anyway, I'll just keep reading. Uh, verse 13, I have written this to you who believe in the name of Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And we are, wait a minute, this is the, was this the right one? And we are, conf um, and we are confined that we, that he, um, that he hears us. No, this is not, I'm sorry. I am so sorry because I have so many pages marked the same way. <laughs> there it is. Yes, it's in Fusions 5, verse uh, 15. Uh, living by the spirit of power, spirit, Spirit's power. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do not act thoughtful, thoughtful, thought, thoughtlessly, sorry. But uh, instead, what the Lord wants you, do what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with Holy Spirit, saying psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. 
and making music to the Lord in your heart and give the thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's now is my favorite too. So thank you so much and God bless. I will take any day that a girl comes to my center broken and now has so many favorite scriptures marked in her Bible she can't remember which one she wanted to read for you guys. I think that's amazing. (laughs) I remember that day she was sitting in the car and her parents kind of come to me with that deer in the headlight look and they're like, she won't get out of the car. And I said, that is so normal. Come on in, we'll talk. She'll come in when she's ready. And I remember her dad saying to me later, at that moment, they had peace because it was like, okay. She's where she needs to be, and I I so totally get that. Um, You know, I think it's just an amazing thing to watch this transformation. Part of my job is I do do the the intake. So from the moment I get that first desperate phone call to graduation, I get to be a part of these stories. And just watching the changes. You know what? If I can be really honest with church family, we're all family, right? We've had a hard week. We've had a hard week. We've had a hard weekend where we've had some challenges. Because you know what? The battle is real. The enemy is fighting for the souls of the women that come through our doors. And, uh, but you know what? Our God is bigger. Our God is greater. And we have so much faith and confidence in him that I, I just know God is going to change lives as the women just submit to him and allow him to do that. And that's exactly what Natasha's been doing, and that's exactly what Tessa's doing. You want to come on up, Tessa? Hi. Um, my name is Tessa, and I've been with Teen Challenge for four months on the 6th of October. So it's in two days. I'll be there for four months. I can't believe it. It's really, it's really crazy how um, I feel like my whole life has been a battle between good and evil. And I'm just really thinking back right now to how in my family, on my mom's side, there was a... Um, my great grandparents. One of he was my grandpa. My great grandfather was a uh, medicine man. Um, that's that practiced evil, and he he conjured up these evil. I don't know these evil things, and uh, he followed the Ojibwe tradition, traditional way of life. But he was married to my great grandma, who was a praying woman. She prayed a lot. Um, she prayed constantly and she prayed a lot. And then she, she had my, gra- my great my grandma, and my grandma is also a praying woman. And then um, for, and down in my, in my bloodline, there's a lot of alcoholism and there's a lot of, just, there's a lot of spiritual war going on in my, in my bloodline and my family. So I've always felt that upon me, that there was this, always this battle between good and evil inside of me. And I could feel the tug of evil and I could feel the tug of alcoholism calling me. But I can also feel the tug of good in my heart. I could feel that God wanted me and God wanted me to um, call out to him and to reach for him and to... He, want, he had his hand upon his, my life, my, my whole life, I feel, um, because my mom became Christian in 97, and she decided to raise my sister and I um, with Christian beliefs. And for her, watching her be a Christian, it was, it was, a, it was a different kind of thing because I, I felt rebellious towards her, um, her, her Christian ways, but still she, she raised me with those, um, with those morals and stuff. And... Uh, 
When I was 13, I, I de developed a, an eating disorder, and I started to not be able to eat, and I could feel that darkness pulling on me, pulling me to, to this life of trying to lean on my own strength, trying to lean on, um, trying to lean on my own understanding, and um, that led me further into more addiction. When I was 17, I started drinking alcohol, and it kind of consumed me right away. Like there was no, there was no, there was, I was really just an addict right from the, my first drink and I felt it take over me. And by the time I was 18, I was um, lying and sneaking alcohol into my parents' house, which was totally not, they were an alcohol-free home because of how they were raised and what they knew about alcohol and stuff. And so I was, sneaking around and I was lying to them and I was doing things um, that were disobedient to them and that weren't um, consistent with my Christian upbringing and um, so my life started to go out of control until I was 20, 22, 22 going on 23 in December I, I felt God calling me and I, I was uh, baptized in a, in, uh, in a bathtub <laughs> in a friend's home. Um, she was a pastor, and she, I, I didn't mean to be there. I was um, withdrawing from drugs, and my mom didn't know what to do she, but to try and bring me to God. She brought me to a, a pastor's home, her home Bible study, and it was just powerful how God just took me from going through a dark time where I was withdrawing from drugs and alcohol, and I was um, feeling completely hopeless against this battle it felt like a really it felt like a losing battle that I was trying to fight on my own trying to get rid of these addictions on my own I couldn't do it anymore and um, so my mom took me to this Bible study and we went through the Bible study and everything was fine I was I was feeling sick and I was feeling weak and I was feeling thirsty and hungry but I knew I couldn't eat or drink because I was I was still feeling really ill and it was the end of the Bible study and they were closing up and um, uh, the the lady there, she's a really anointed lady. Her name was Anna. Um, she started praying and she said that there's somebody here who feels um, not worthy of God's love. And in my in my in my natural self, I I don't cry and I don't show reaction in front of people. And that day, I started shaking and crying uncontrollably, and I just broke right in front of this circle of women I didn't know. And I, and I, I now I look back and I know it was um, the Holy Spirit in me. It was the God calling me and bringing me to that place where I knew that I really was broken. And that day, I was delivered from drugs and alcohol, um, brought to my knees by drugs and alcohol and by God where I gave it all to him, and that was December 2013. But after, and right after that point, they suggested Teen Challenge to me, but I took a year and a half to finally, for that year and a half, I battled on my own, trying to, trying to, um, just trying to fight God's will for my life, trying to do it on my own, trying to do it without the help of my parents or without really the help of God. I was just trying to read my Bible and trying to do it in my own strength, and it was just, it was impossible. It wasn't until that I fully gave myself to God and fully said, okay, God, I, 
I can't do this anymore. I can't fight on my own. I give this to you. And I, um, I called Teen Challenge, and I came to Teen Challenge. And um, ever since then, it's like I look forward to doing things like speaking to a group of people. I look forward to going on choir tour and singing because I love to sing. And I've, I've learned that I especially love to sing for, for God. I love to worship. And it's something that really is a big thing in my life that I can sing again. Like through my addiction, I I couldn't sing. I lost my song in my heart. And it's like since I come back to God and since I've been here at Teen Challenge, I sing every day at the house. And it, it just brings me so much joy to worship for him. And it brings me so much joy to do things for God. And um, the scripture that I want to share is, that seems like is a big thing in my life was... Um, that I felt God saying to me was not by force nor by strength but by my spirit says the Lord of heaven's armies and that's totally true because I can't do it on my own and I can't do it without the help of Teen Challenge and people like Kim and I'm just so blessed to be here and thank you An amazing thing, like I said, watching lives transform. Um, you know, it's women come to us so broken, and I've I've had the privilege of working in the men's center as well as in the women's center. And uh, you can just ask my husband Chris if there's any difference in running a, a men's center and a women's center, and he'll be the first one to say, "Oh mercy, is there differences?" But you know, it's. Um, Women are so relational. Women are so, you know, you never have to guess how any of the girls are feeling. But on the plus side of that is once God gets a hold of their heart, they just want to scream it from the mountaintops about what God has done for them. Um, right now, the house we're in is, uh, if any, have anybody ever been to the Women's Center? Out in this outside of Brandon? So a few of you have. Um, it's, it's a beautiful old farmhouse. It's a, it's a, we just celebrated our 100th year in it. Uh, well, we weren't in it 100 years, but the house has been around for 100 years last year. And it's, it's been a... Anybody else have a 100-year-old house? Anybody else know about sawdust as your insulation and great fabulous things like that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a few. I got a few nods. Yeah, that's kind of what we're what we're dealing with. We heat our home with a, a wood furnace that's outside, and um, I personally think we must heat all of Manitoba through our wood furnace because we we often go through thirty cords of wood in winter trying to heat. I know that's exactly. I shake my head at it too. It's crazy, and it's because you know hundred year old homes. Well, they just weren't built quite like our homes are now, and and because of sawdust insulation and 100-year-old windows and, and various things like that, um, there's been lots of challenges with our old house. We, uh, we got a, at one point, we had a four-foot by six-foot beehive in one of the walls. Um, if you'll notice on, on our table, we actually have honey. It's not from that, I promise. We, uh, we started our own, we raised our own bees for the first time this summer, so we have some of that back on our table. But that, that particular year, four feet by six feet honeycomb was pretty massive inside one of our walls. And our house, the outside is cedar shingles and cedar siding, and the woodpeckers heard those bees. And I'm sure you can imagine what they did to our siding and our shingles. So we were in the process of trying to raise money and saying to ourselves, okay, we, we've got to do something um, to try and fix this house up because we want it to be, um, I know a lot of the girls, as soon as they walk to the door, they feel that peace, they feel that love, they feel that sense of home. And I feel that's so important for women. And so we thought we need to do something for this house. So we've been trying to raise money to put some new siding and some new shingles on the house and some new windows, that kind of thing. And we had, um, we had our contractor come out to look at the house to kind of give us an estimate and things like that. And as he started to look at it, 
and he saw that, you know, our foundation was crumbling and, and various things like that. He says, you know what, guys, I have a feeling we're going to be opening a big can of worms here as we start to do this sort of thing. So I'm going to show you another video right now that's um, a new home for Brandon. I'm just watching and see what we hope God's going to do for us. This is the Adult and Teen Challenge Women's Center. Located just outside of Brandon, Manitoba, it is an ideal place for women to come and find healing and get in touch with God. A few months ago, we started a campaign to raise money to renovate the house on this property. But since then, something amazing has happened. talk about a Teen Challenge is the effect that God has in our lives. And what we want to do is, is help these women to see that God is going to have that effect on their lives, that he's going to be a part of their daily life, and he's going to absolutely transform them into the women that he's always intended them to be. We live out in the country, just outside of Brandon, and we have a really small budget. Um, things that most people would take for granted are, are things we have to budget for. And sometimes the money's there, and sometimes it's not. Um, we've had times where we've gone to make a simple meal for, for dinner, and the money wasn't there for all the components, and, and that can frustrate the girls sometimes. But it's actually a chance for God to do His thing. And what we tell the girls is, you know what, we need to pray this in. We need to pray that God is going to meet our need in this way. And uh, every day we see God's hand at work here at the Women's Center. And a few months ago we actually started a campaign to raise money to try and renovate this home so that it could be the place we want it to be for the women who live here. And, you know, we were hoping other people would want to come on board and, and take part and, and believe in what we do so much that they were willing to become a part of this whole story. And, you know what? God showed up and the results exceeded our wildest expectations. We've had people all across Manitoba and Northwestern Ontario embracing the work that we do here, embracing the work that God is doing here. And they have donated their money, their time, and their resources to this place. In fact, the farmer who owns the land around us believes in our ministry so much that he actually donated a parcel of land for us to use. That's God's hand at work. Another way we've seen God move is with our water situation. When we purchased this land, we knew there wasn't water here. And ever since then, we've had to truck our own water in, believing at some point we would get approved to be on the water pipeline. But it's been a, it's been a hard go. We've, we've gone and hit a lot of roadblocks in attempting to get water brought here. But God performed another miracle. Just this summer, we found out that we have been approved to go on that water pipeline. So with so many people behind us, and with this new land donated to us and our water situation finally resolved, someone said to us, why renovate this old house? Why not build a brand new center for these women? A new kitchen, a new chapel, a new classroom, new rooms for the girls, a fresh start. When a new woman arrives, the first thing she sees is this house. And if I'm really honest, it's not that welcoming of a picture. So it really didn't take us very long to embrace the idea of building something new for the women who come here. With our new house located at the end of the driveway, the first thing a woman is going to see is a home. And that's really important to us. A place where she can feel safe, where she can feel welcome, where she can feel loved. A place for a fresh start. One of the best parts for me about getting our new center is that we're not going to be restricted to the seven or eight women that we can fit into this house. We're going to be able to expand to holding 14 women. That's twice as many women touched by God's healing hand. Twice as many lives transformed. And that's pretty awesome. This is a good place to sow into. We're seeing great fruit, and we're at a place right now where we need help, and we need your help. If God is telling you to get behind and help us sing, I just encourage you. There are needs all over the world, but there's a need right here in our back door. Thank you so much. God bless you.
got a big undertaking that we're going to start. Um, as, we, as we've looked at it and had our drawings done and things like that, um, we're looking at, at needing to raise about $500,000, it sounds like. We had already raised about 120, 130 towards our windows and our siding, so we're partway there. But as a woman who now lives in a home that was donated and driven down the number one highway and put on a basement, none of which the ministry had to pay any money for, I know God's going to do it. I know God is going to do it. It's just an amazing thing to me. We have, we have uh, seven girls at the center right now with number eight coming uh, by the end of this month. And, you know, I am, I'm excited at the prospect of being able to help 14 women at one time, not just eight. I'm the one who has to answer the phone and say, you know what, um, realistically today, if you were to call me, I would have to say, February or March will be the soonest I'll have a bed. And I, by the way, I already have a waiting list. So you'll be at the bottom of that list. It's not an easy thing to do because if someone's an addict and they're ready for help, they're ready for it now. And uh, so we are very excited with our new project. Um, I had some folks saying, okay, practically, how can we help? You know, it's, it takes everything from a dollar to $500,000 to build that home. So obviously finances is a marvelous way that you can help us. Um, it's, it's a huge blessing that we're going to be able to uh, take that money. And, and it never ceases to amaze me or thrill me how, what a blessing it is to, to take money that people who believe in us give us and build a project like that to then come and help other women. Other ways we can help, you know, don't tell Lakeisha this, but winter is coming, and we are going to need, you know, winter clothing, boots, winter coats, you know, warm things for our ladies to wear. Sometimes women come where they have families who are supporting them, and they come with stuff, and then other times ladies come who have the shirt on their back. That's all they have. Um, canned food. We can always use canned food. We did a big garden this year, so our produce, we're doing pretty well for that, um, and we just, this week, took our seven pigs that we raised this summer and spent the morning... You probably would have really laughed if you'd watched us try and get them into the trailer, but we did. We got them in, and they've now gone off to be butchered, so we'll have great pork meat. So for, as far as meat and produce goes, we're in pretty good shape, but canned food is always a great way to help, too. Um, on the back table, you're welcome to come and have a look. Like I said, we raised honey this year, or raised bees, so we have our own honey, which was an adventure. Uh, there's some crochet dishcloths. There's lots of really practical ways, you know, that people can become a part. Monthly, monthly partners is another way, so if you've got any other questions as far as that goes, feel free to come and, and see me after. Can you put my PowerPoint up for me now? Anybody here know their alphabet? Anybody? Oh, good. A few do. That's good. Anybody count to 10? Okay. Well, okay. Well, we're going to do okay then. You know, if you know your alphabet and you can count to 10, then uh, you shouldn't have too much difficulty carrying out this next task that I'm going to give you. Now, hopefully, I'm going to be able to do this next task. So I hear sometimes this thing can be temperamental. Um, so you're going to have 10 seconds to read what I'm going to put up on the screen. And what I want you to do is count how many of the letter F you see. Does that make sense? Everybody know what a letter F looks like? Awesome. Everybody can count to 10? Okay, we're in good shape. If I can get it, please go. Or not. It's on, but it's not going. No, he told me to point at the flower. Oh, there we go. Okay, count. Perfect. Okay, so how many people counted one F? Two? How about three? Oh, lots of people counted three. Anybody? Four, five, six, seven? Four. A few? Fours? Okay, five. Okay, you had four. Awesome. Well, you know, it's interesting thing 
to count how many Fs there really were. Can you just flip it to the next one? That's probably just as easy. Okay, so finished files, there's two there. And then if you go into the next line, how many's in the next line? Three, exactly. So there's five. And then what about the bottom line? There's another one there. Ah, that's what I did the first time I read it too. So there's actually six Fs up there. And you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. Do you see them? The three you probably missed are all of the ofs. Oh, now the penny dropped. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, they're, I promise they're all there. I'm not just going there. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing when you read something like that and, and you go, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's one of those cleverly, I mean, you had to, it has to be just that way with the hyphens and stuff like that for, for us to miss it. So don't feel bad if you actually missed it. But you know, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes something can be right in front of our face and yet we're blinded to it by our own thoughts, our own way of perceiving things, the, our lens that we look at life through. And you know, it reminds me of a verse in the Bible, which is 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Can you flip it for me? Perfect. And it says, the eyes of those who do not believe are made blind by Satan, who is the God of this world. He does not want the light of the good news to shine in their hearts. This good news shines as the shining greatness of Christ. Christ is as God is. So here we see that Satan, who's the God of this world, who's really powerful. You know, the girls, you've heard testimony of that. He's very subtle. Lots of times we're sliding down that slope away from God without even realizing it. And he's very clever. And he's blinded the minds of people so that they completely miss things that are of vital importance. Sometimes they're lost in addictions. Sometimes in pride. Sometimes in intellect. You know, we've had a woman come to our program who was an atheist when she came. And it took a little while to convince her that, you know, God was real and God wanted to change her life. There are all kinds of ways that Satan blinds people to keep them from the Lord. But I think sometimes that we as believers can be blinded as well. As we, because we need to help. Sometimes we get caught up in our own lives. It's pretty easy to do that. And I think it's important that we live our lives honoring God. But sometimes we can become blinded from the fact that we have been called by Christ to go out and to lead others to him and help them to see what they've been blinded by. So the first thing that the world is often blinded by, if you can flip to the next, okay, click it again. Can you click it again? And one more. Perfect. The seriousness of sin. You know, in today's world, it's often trivialized. You know, but God, he never trivializes sin. You know, those little white lies to him are just as significant as someone who commits murder or someone who commits adultery or any of those kinds of things. One day, we have to give an account to him. Sin is serious because the penalty is what? What does Romans tell us? The wages of sin is death. God is, is not messing around here. It's a significant thing. And he calls us as the family of God, as those who profess to know him as our savior, to go out and tell this world. You know, there are lots of times I have women come into the program and they say, you know what? Wow. That's, they, they, say, they stay stuck on that. God sees only what I've done. God sees that I'm hopeless. God sees the sin, the filth that covers me. And I know that he says in his word that death is what that must lead to. 
And that doesn't just mean a physical death, but an eternal separation from God. Um, Tessa was telling me about a video she watched at the center, which tells all about that hell, you know, as much as we talk about fire and brimstone and all of that kind of stuff, essentially what's going to be so awful about hell is the fact that we are separate from God. So all the things in this world that we love, all the things that bring us joy, that all comes from God. And when you pull all of that out, imagine how lonely we're going to feel. But here's the second thing that people are blinded by. Can you flip it to the next one? There we go. The gift of God. You know, the verse, that verse in Romans, it doesn't just stay stuck on for the wages of sin is death. Because imagine if it did, we would all be a pretty sorry bunch of folks. It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, Jesus left the glory of heaven and went through the agony of Calvary, dying to pay the penalty for our sins. Not only our sins, folks, but our, our family's sins, our neighbor's sins, our friend's sins. I mean, I'm sure there's loads of people in here who have someone in their life that needs Christ. And we have the, we have the hope. We have the good news. You look at our sign back there that says, be part of the hope. That is exactly what we try to teach the women who come into our program, is that there is hope. You may be here, but that's not how the Lord wants you to stay. He wants to lift you from that, folks. And as, and as his, his church, it's our responsibility to help the, the lost to take those blinders off. You know, suppose you were to save for months to buy a present for somebody, and when you offered it to them, they just ignored you. I'm pretty sure probably no one has ever really experienced that. You buy a nice Christmas present, most people want to accept it. But imagine if they didn't. Imagine if you'd sacrificed and you'd saved and you'd put yourself out to try and raise enough money for this person to have that gift, and then they ignored it. And, you know, I think often a lot of people do that with God's priceless gift of his son. They fail to see the seriousness of the sin, so then they overlooked the gift. It's not, um, it's not something that we like to think about, but it's true. But that leads us to our third point, which is the need to act. You know, we all, I'm sure, as, as God's kids, we know we have to admit our sin. We have to come to him and turn to Christ in repentance and faith. And our job now, as his church, is to go out and to tell our, our co-workers, our friends, everyone in our lives. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us. Folks, we have such good news to share with this world. We, we can't just keep it to ourselves. You know, it's so important that we, we tell other people about what God has done. That's why we, we have the girls share their testimony. You know, it tells us in, in Revelation that there's power in our testimony. You know, that we need to stand on the, on the power of that. Um, you know, lives can be changed. I, I've had so many people come into Teen Challenge because they heard another Teen Challenge testimony. There's hope. There, there is, a, 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 you know, we look at that and we say, wow, if God can do that for her, maybe he can pull me out of where I was. And I think it's important for us as, as the, the Church of God to go out and share that with other people. You know, it, we, we want them to know that without the foundation of Christ in their lives or for our girls, that, you know, addiction can't be free from. And it's no different whether it's your, your, your neighbor who's, who's struggling, you know, with depression, your neighbor who's struggling with, you know, anxiety, or, or pride, or, or is lost in gossip, or is lost in trying to prove there isn't a God. Whatever it is, they need to know that there's hope. They need to know that there's seriousness to their sin, that they, there is a gift from the God who is Jesus Christ, and they need to act on that. You know, many people, they fail to spot those three letters. They miss those three Fs. 
And you know, I wouldn't lose too much sleep over that. First time I read it, I missed them too. I'm like, okay, seriously, I can't, I can't use this example if I can't even find the other Fs in this thing, you know? But, uh, but slowly and surely, I found them, and they were there. And I think we need to not lose sleep over that. But when we have people in our lives who are overlooking these other three things, the seriousness of sin, the gift of God who is Jesus, and the need to act upon what Christ has done for that, we as a church need to lead them there. Um, church, the, the harvest this fall is almost done. I mean, the field around us, you saw that picture. It was wheat. It's gone now. There was canola near us. It's off. So the fall harvest for 2015, you know what? It's almost coming to a close. But uh, the reality is the harvest for souls, it's never going to be complete until Jesus comes. He calls us to go out there and be his workers continuously until he comes back. And let's recognize that we need to be that example. You know, through our life, through our words, through our deeds, we need to go out and lead other people to Christ. Matthew 8, 35 to 38, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Anyone have anyone in your life who seems harassed and helpless, doesn't know how to turn? That's what comes through my door every time we bring a new girl in. Sometimes doesn't even really think Teen Challenge is even going to work for her, but doesn't know what else to do. It says, he says, then says to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So folks, I just want to challenge you today to not be afraid to be a harvester for Christ. Help people to see that, that uh, sin is a serious business, because the wages of it means eternal separation from God. But God gave us a gift, and that is Jesus Christ. And there is so much hope, and they just need to act on it. Let's go out and be beacons of light for Christ, showing other people that, you know what, there is another way. And I pray that the testimonies of the girls today show you that transformation truly can happen. Thank you. wanted to, on behalf of the church, just thank you so much for coming, and uh, we also want to just extend the invitation uh, that there will be a potluck uh, following the service immediately, and everyone's welcome for that. So, uh, Bert, if you want to come lead us in a song, we'll have a closing benediction, and then we'll be dismissed for the potluck.